Welcome to the new English Florist podcast hosted by Lindsay Kitchen. Today we visit for the first time Lindsay's happy place. Your questions are answered in the flower studio and we take a tour of the prop shed. Let's start though in Penwood. Welcome to the English Florist podcast, the new series. I'm in my happy place. This is Penwood, which is a beautiful forestry commission <laughs> forestry commission woodland just up the road from where I live and you just heard Maple hooning off shaking because she's just found the first of the rivers I don't suppose you can hear that but I know she's in there and she's going to come belting up here in a minute here she comes boy oi this is the place where I walk her often um, and as we drove here she was squealing and whimpering not because she's sad because she's just so excited so she's about to go and dip in again just to cool off so it's a lovely wooded glade and it's oh, it's verdantly green at the moment and the smell the smell is oh, it's soft and velvety and if green smelt, it smells a bit like that. Um, we've just come out of some of the hottest days this country's ever known. And so it was a really beautiful, calm place to come at 7.30 in the morning. Oh, well done, Maple. <laughs> um, this is where she would come and just literally cool off. I would take a very wet, smelly dog home with me. Anyway, back to the the verdantness of this beautiful woodland. It's full of ferns. The, at the moment, it's they're taller than me. I'm five foot seven, and they must be they must be near six foot. Some of them actually. I say ferns. They're actually it's actually bracken, and I love bracken. I love I love the cooling. The kind of the it sort of closes you in in the summer. Keeps the the, the forest floor really really cool. And then as we sort of progress through into autumn, it suddenly you have a few cold snaps and it dies back and it goes just crispy and biscuit brown. And I love it even more for its biscuit browniness um, because I can use it in all my flower arrangements. It, it's, it's quintessentially autumn flower arranging for me, Linz, the White Horse Flower Company. I just can't get enough of it. And the funny thing is, um, if, you've, uh, if you do Instagram and all of those hashtags, a few years ago, it became achingly fashionable. And there was a hashtag called um, lovely dead crap. <laughs> and it is lovely dead crap. And I used to be really scathing. I think, what the heck? What? What? But actually, I have... I've not just embraced it, I've just, I'm claiming it. It's just joyful. And, and because my flowers sort of are very much of the moment, I, and I'm an autumn person, I'm almost looking forward, forward for it to all to just kind of die back and be all crispy and gorgeous. And I will use it all the way from September through to December, even in my wreaths, if I could. It's feathery. And we will come back to this. We will revisit the beautiful, crispy, lovely dead crap that bracken is. But right now it's fragrant. It has unfurled to great, tall, imposing stems in on the forest floor. And when I look up, 
it's all the lights just coming through the trees and um, I'm smelling it again it's just gorgeous it just smells green here um, and I just love it I walk almost always on my own um, and it's my thinking place it's my happy place it's places it's a place where I can if I'm feeling really sad I'll pace myself I'll walk and I can have a good cry no one need know and um, and I'm just here with Maple and she just does what she's doing now she hoons that's h-o-o-n-s hoons around like a lunatic that she is with her tongue lolling out here she comes um, she's never caught anything as far as I know she's never chased a deer and there are plenty of deer here but um, yeah this is this is like coming home this is my little mindful place um, and I love it well done I'm in my studio and I've got, well, I've got an iced coffee on the go. Mm -hmm. I'm a big cold brew fan, me. And I've got um, leftover cake from yesterday's one-to-one workshop, which is red velvet, and it's absolutely delicious. So I might just stop as I go along and just have a little mouthful, if that's okay. But most importantly, I'm going to just talk you around my studio. Um, The lady that came yesterday, she said, I can't believe how tiny your studio is. And given how much work comes out of this tiny little space it literally is the size of a single garage because guess what dun, dun, dun. it is a single garage um, and I operated out of a single garage with an up and over door for a great many years until I I think I had a bit of frostbite or I certainly had some hypothermia and my husband realized that I used to come in a little bit shivery and cold well not a little bit quite a lot Um, he then decided that perhaps we should convert said garage into a space, a proper functioning studio. So that is what it is. It is very small. Um, I love it though. And I'm at my happiest here, often on my own, because I started my floristry career as a lone florist. For all intents and purposes, I am a lone florist. But the nature of my work And when I'm creating flowers for an event, I often need to do it at quite short notice. You know, it's a bit like being a cook. You've got a perishable commodity. So you need to get your stuff in, your flowers and your foliage in. You arrange your flowers, you load your van, you drive to said venue location and you deliver them. And so the bigger the weddings came... um, I started to ask about for help. They used to be unqualified people, friends. Um, And I remember one occasion, a really lovely friend offered, who loved a bit of flower arranging, offered to help. And I showed her how to make a candelabra arrangement. And I went off to deliver a wedding, Um, was away all morning arranging the wedding. And I had like 10 candelabra to do the next day. And when I came back, she was still on the first candelabra that I had shown her how to do. And I just thought, holy cow, I've got to 
make nine more of these now. Um, and I was thinking, oh, she'd have done at least five of them or something. So um, I tend to work with qualified florists and they normally sort of do a day with me where I can just kind of ascertain how how speedy they are. And it takes a while to get into the groove. When I freelance myself, sometimes it is quite stressful because it's almost like handwriting, arranging flowers. We all have our unique way of doing it um, and they need to get into my groove. And I'm quite a deconstructive undone florist and believe it or not you know when you look at some of my flowers you just think oh that's just a couple of flowers plonked in a vase um there's a lot of skill in that all I'm gonna say is it's not as easy as it looks um I've got a mailbag question I've got mail and this is the bit where I'm going to be answering your questions and um, you very kindly um, came forward on Instagram and asked questions, which, <laughs> according to Instagram, I should be replying and sharing on the platform. But I didn't. I wrote them all down. And I love this one. This is from Indie Blue Hippie Dog. Thank you so much for your question. Um, you ask me your top 10 flowers slash seeds I should grow in my garden. So I've just got my little pencil and written a one to 10 list in no particular order, but I think I've written them in order of season. And the first one is tulips. I love tulips. For me as a florist, the first flowers that are to erupt, I, I mean, I guess you could suggest, I could suggest growing something like snowdrops, but really, they're not really cut flowers, but tulips are. And there's such a myriad of colours and varieties that it's it's worth just indulging yourself. Go on to somewhere like Farmer Gracie or Sarah Raven or just go to your garden centre. Heck, go to the supermarket. They're selling them, actually. You can just lob them in your trolley and no one will notice that it's not vegetables. Just don't eat them because they're terribly toxic. I love tulips. And this year I grew about 450, which seems like a lot, but actually they sort of came up in in stages. So some pinged up immediately and and then others grew weeks later. And I had a whole range of really tall stem ones that kind of blossomed and bloomed into great blousy numbers in gaudy colours. And then I had some really subtle ones, which I kind of imagined that had I had a wedding at the time that they were actually flowering, that they would have been perfect. But of course, sod's law. I went on holiday and literally the whole remaining tulip crop went up as I went on holiday. And so I had a colleague here who was coming in to deliver flowers to my um, contract jobs that I do, hair salon on a Tuesday. And I said, help yourself to my tulips because it just seems such a shame that I was going to just let them go over. But there is a lovely joy. They, My raised bed is at the front of my house. And so when we get up in the morning, my husband, who's not into flowers at all, always comments on what's growing in the raised bed. And he'll say, oh, Linz, look at those tulips. They're really nice. And I actually get an appreciation of the things that he likes. And we do like completely different flowers. I think the fact that they were planted in some semblance of order in straight lines, he also really liked as well and appreciated. So that's number one. Um, also in the spring, I love a mascari otherwise known as a grape hyacinth and these will just multiply in the ground so you'll start with one or two and get a single stem of this lovely really 
strong blue um, with little bells. It's very, very pretty. And then they will multiply. So if you were to dig them up and move them to another part of the garden, they'll have lots of baby bulbs attached to that single bulb. Um, and so I love a muscari. And actually, if you just pull them, if you've got a small vase arrangement, they are just beautiful and a real pop of red. And I have to tell you, my favourite combination is a red tulip with a blue mascari it's just they're so opposite but so yummy and vibrant it's just the essence of spring to me my number three and it because it actually they come up before the tulips and alongside the mascari i would suggest are daffodils and daffodils or uh, narcissi is the genus there's just the most enormous family and if you're English and you're thinking of the dafts, the British grown dafts that you get in the supermarket, which are wrapped with a little elastic band out of water so that they don't actually open. That's one. That's one of your classic little trumpet ray of sunshine. But there are so many varieties. Uh, my favourite is uh, Narcissi poeticus, which is pheasant's eye daffodil. And that has like a dark browny orangey centre to it. It's just a tinge on that middle trumpet. They're otherwise white and they are very tall and leggy and really, really, for me, exquisitely beautiful. And they're my absolute favourite. And they smell delicious. And my other favourite one is Thalia, which is T-H-A-L-I-A. So is it Thalia or Thalia? I don't know. But then those are my two absolute favourites. And I think since lockdown, people have really got into their gardens and people are into growing tulips and, and daffodils because they are the first signs of spring. They kind of pop up in your garden when everything else is still very much twiggy and dormant. Um, and they just give us so much colour and so much joy. My fourth suggestion, also in spring, is one of my all-time favourite flowers. And if I was to compile a top 10, these would be in the top five. And that's Fritillaria. And there's a whole genus of Fritillaria. And I'm talking about the little tiny ones, the little single stem ones, um, like little trumpets. They're just beautiful. So Fritillarias, I would suggest, again, when you're buying your tulips and your daffodils and your mascari, get some fritillarias and there's a whole range of them. And I, often they punctuate many of my bridal bouquets. Um, they're quite expensive to buy when I buy them from the flower auctions in Holland, but they are just beautiful, absolutely beautiful. Number five on my list, I would suggest if you're planting a garden to put some climbers in and for me we just replaced a couple of hedges with some fences because the hedges were crowding in on the garden and the driveway and blocking my neighbor's um, windows so we took down a hedge and replaced it with a fence and it felt incredibly naked and so I bought <laughs> bought my side of the fence and my neighbor's side of the fence some matching climbers his and hers and I bought honeysuckle which I absolutely adore and I also bought some um, what's it called clematis but I didn't buy the obvious clematis like the Nelly Moser or the Montana or something I actually bought one of them which has got like a little delicate orange flower and it then goes to a seed that fluffy seed and it was the seed head that I bought it for as a florist and my particular style of floristry I'm all over textures and variety and so in the autumn I love to kind of incorporate seed heads seed pods and these little fluffy clematis 
is it clematai? I don't know. But anyway, um, I love them and they're little fluffy elements to my bouquets and arrangements and I love them. So selfishly, they got the same. And then theirs are growing better than mine, actually. Um, number six on my list is the humble sweet pea. And this was the first seed I ever sowed as a grown-up person with a house and a garden. And when I moved out of London with my small family, we bought a new house and it just had a postage size garden. And I don't know if it even had any turf, but I certainly know that we had to put in the flower beds. And so I had a little section that I reserved for growing summer bedding plants. And I sowed my first sweet peas and I have never looked back. I just, they are quintessentially a summer flower. They smell utterly delicious. Life would not be complete or summer would not be complete without the smell, the waft in the balmy evening of a sweet pea. And they come in a myriad of colours. And I love a riot of colour, even though typically I'd probably only want sort of cream and white ones or whatever I buy every color under the sun absolutely love them and I'm still learning to to grow them but last year I took up recommendation from a fellow um, florist who also is a flower farmer and they suggested I try Roger Parsons and they're just amazing I sow them from seed in January although this year I believe I should be overwintering them so I'm going to start them off in the autumn Number seven on my list is Cosmos, and it's a summer flower. It comes up at the end of July, all through August and into September, and you get swathes of it. Um, if you pinch out the middle, it will just keep bifurcating and spreading and spreading, and you just get the most delicious wafting little flowers with a teeny weeny little stamen, yellow dot in the middle. They're like big blousy daisies, but they're on a delicate, delicate stem, little fronds of foliage, and they're just beautiful. I would say classically in a white, but they come in pinks and peaches and pale yellows. And my um, flower friend suppliers have the most delicious selection of them. I did last year, just literally, I bought a trough, a seven foot trough, on the front of my driveway and I filled it with soil. It's supposed to have water in, a drinking water for, for farm animals, but I bought it, lobbed it in the back of my van, filled it with soil and I planted about 10 of these plants and I literally had a wall of cosmos and they just blew gently in the breeze and they were just heavenly. So I can't recommend them enough. This year, my number eight... Bum, 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 bum. Coming in at number eight is the stock. Now, I subscribed to a local flower farmer who was selling three, I think it was over a period of three months, you got a sort of a selection of plants and she grew stocks for me. And the, well, I love a stock. I buy them as cut flowers. They're just gorgeous. And so I had a couple of stocks in one of my planters and they're just lovely. And I just realized, why don't I grow these? So I'm going to get some more next year. So I definitely um, recommend them, especially if you want to harvest them and put them in bouquets or in arrangements in your home. Number nine on my list is the anti-rhinum. I still call it the bunny rabbit flower from when I was a kid. Um, they also come in a huge range of colors. So whether you want something pale and delicate and ethereal they come in whites and blushes or they come in a riot of color apricots oranges deep deep crimsons they're just beautiful and I've got the lovely red ones from my subscription this year love them and lastly number 10 is the very humble dahlia now I thought about this 
I do love dahlias. And when I go to my fellow flower farmers to collect my English grown flowers, just to see them growing en masse, they are just spectacular but they're a bit like marmite so they're very much in the flower world very much on trend everybody wants a dahlia at the moment um, everyone seems to be growing dahlias i think the, the most famous one the dahlia du jour is the cafe au lait i think it's a bit overrated myself it's a bit of a prima donna i think i prefer labyrinth it's also a very large, leggy, huge dinner plate sized dahlia. Um, but some of the smaller ones, the little kind of round ones are just, and there are some really dainty ones that are almost sort of buttonhole sized. There's a whole range of them, achingly fashionable at the moment. I'm not a big crowd follower, but I do recognize that they are hugely popular. And I think for that reason, that reason alone, they're going in at number 10 and I definitely think you should grow one. The lady who was doing my subscription said, you know, would you like some dahlias? And I sort of replied by email going, mm, mm, not really sure, but I have got one. <laughs> just got one in the flower bed um i don't know what color it is i should look at the little tag shouldn't i but um it's growing it's leafing up and it should be kind of giving me a few flowers any week soon yeah that's my 10 so thank you so much indie blue hippie dog for such a great question and if you would like to ask me a question do get in touch via instagram at the white horse flower just drop me a direct message and i'm going to write that question down and i will get back to you here on the podcast closing this week with a very special trip up my garden path to the very end of my garden um, I wish you could just scratch and sniff because right next to my um, microphone at the moment is the prettiest buddleia the butterfly plant and it's a purple one and I, I, I've never actually used it in a flower arrangement but it reminds me of my first house and you can probably hear there's a few bumblebees and a few little geps that's wasp in French, by the way. I always call them geps. Um, just outside my prop shed, which has washed out peely paint doors. And we're gonna go in and I'm just gonna tell you a little bit about it. Okay. Um, there's not much room to swing a cat in here. This, this is a designated prop shed. Um, and I did share it originally when my eldest son lived at home with his bicycles. He had quite a collection of bikes. Originally, I just had, when we moved here 18 years ago, I just had a set of 12 candelabra that I had made for me. And they used to go in the original shed with all the garden stuff, with the, the lawnmower and all my kind of, you know, shovels and spades and trowels and all sorts of things but of course you end up if you're an event florist you end up having more and more props more and more vases more of absolutely everything so eventually I my husband built me a shed and I painted it blue why I don't know it was lovely it used to have a sign outside that said flowers on but it the sun got to it it peeled and I think eventually it fell off but anyway this is my shed um Harry has long since gone and taken his bikes with him and I have purloined the whole space and it is literally loaded to the gunwales with props so I have lots of cardboard boxes but I always have boxes with things in so in this one are my tea lights um, and because I've gone foam free now, I have lots and lots of little vases um, in different colours. I've got plain ones and I've got 
blue ones I've got clear ones they tend to I, I should wrap them up a little bit better than I do but they're absolutely everywhere and when I walk into my shed I normally fall over something um, because I've got things like all the big metalware that for my big upright installations I've got vases I've got teapots lots of teapots and I often spray things different colors so it started as a clear vase and now it's a gold vase for example and I've got metal vases anyway you get the picture it's full of stuff and literally it tells the story of floristry over the last 18 20 years um, because there are lots of things in here that I really should just sell or take to the dump because I don't use them anymore. It tells a story of the f trends and fads of the last 15, 20 years. And I'm just looking up at there's some little bottles, little bottles with um, in a little wooden crate that says Petit Fleur. Um, and it's these little bottles I often just use on their own as single stem bottles anymore. I don't actually use the shabby chic, very water stained wooden boxes anymore um, just because I don't need them. I've got things like th about 30 pairs of scissors for my workshops because if you come to my workshop you need to have implements and I've got things like silver vases which I actually bought from another florist because um, <laughs> I loved them and I coveted them. Actually inside it is a broken vase which clearly I can't bring myself to um, throw away because it's like the, the, the foot of the vase just needs gluing. I think I might be a bit of a hoarder. I think I might have a bit of a problem here because I can't quite bring myself to throw anything away. But it has evolved. So previous in previous years, it would have had boxes of oasis and floral foam in here. But obviously, I've done away with it now. So now I'm just going to go to the end of my shed. And in order to get there, I have to move stuff because there's just so much stuff here. Um, and I'm going to fall over all the lanterns. And I have got loads and loads of chicken wire of which I bought meters and meters and meters and meters of it for an installation I did earlier on this summer but of course I like to repurpose things and I couldn't just throw it away well I could have done but that would have been a terrible waste so I do declare I have a lifetime supply of chicken wire now um, I'm delighted to say it's my favorite brand it's from Wilco um, and it's a kind of like a pale green color and every time I use it on a workshop people or if I'm people are freelancing for me they always comment that it's not the dark green plastic coated PVC chicken wire because that's another thing you could just have chicken wire but everyone tells you how scratchy it is on your hand well you would if you were to florist you would know that um, but I just use the PVC one for various reasons it doesn't corrode and I can just give it a little split um, spritz with some bleach and it's absolutely good to go again so I, I repurpose and repurpose and repurpose um, I've got I've got a chalkboard here which says, welcome to the wedding of, and I can't even read, someone and Mark in 2018. So I haven't used that since 2018, and we're now in 2022. So yeah, I rest my case, we've got stuff. And I've got things like, well, there are some real stalwarts here. So I've got things like my hurricane lanterns, of which I have about 
at least a dozen big chunky clear glass vases for all intents and purposes um, and basically you put a big pillar candle in the middle and then I usually have like a wreath of flowers and foliage around the edge of them which are really lovely and those are the sorts of things that I have used for years and years they could start out going down the aisle of the on the floor and then I could lift them up and put them into a wreath of flowers on the table center so they they're really really useful things but then I've got other things which I'm so glad I never use again because I'm sick to the back teeth of them and one of those things are the log slices oh I can hear you moaning about them if you're a florist and you've been doing floristry for about a decade you will go oh yeah you know it was it was really cool to do that kind of shabby chic we were just coming out of a recession and I think the opulent over-the-top showstopper weddings they'd kind of paired right back and people didn't want to be showy showy and so we went back to shabby chic we did vintage we did recycled charity shop teapots jam jars teacups you name it and everyone decided they were a florist in that time everyone could do a jam jar of flowers and stick it on the table furthermore they could slice a piece of their tree from their garden and stick the jam jars and the teacups on it uh, maybe lay a bit of hessian across the table and you were like absolutely the pinnacle of style back in the day and as an event florist if you've done one of those weddings you've done about 300 of them and I was absolutely sick to the back teeth of them and even to this day even just this week one of my clients was hosting a lunch party and he said Olin's I actually I don't think I want a very big vase arrangement on the table I think just a jam jar and I sort of looked at him and said I don't do jam jars. Don't worry, I've got vases which are jam jar sized. And and that's in my psyche, that's where I'm at with it. So my shed is a... I think when people come up here to collect stuff, if they're freelancing for me, they're a bit shocked at just how much stuff I've got. But the thing is, you know, you do pull out things that you haven't used for a year or so, and suddenly you think, thank God I've got that. Um, the only thing is I don't ever do like a stock take, so I think I've got a dozen of something, and then I come up here and I realise that I've, I'm one short, and then I have to kind of phone around to all of my florist friends and ask if I could borrow one of theirs, whatever that might be. If I could throw one thing away, there's a skip outside, if I could throw one thing away for you now, mm -hmm. what, what would it be? If I could throw one thing away right now, I you. think it would be... What about that swing? The swing, the swing has to stay. The swing is essential because it's a hanging installation. So onto that, I will hang things. So that has to stay. I think if I could throw one thing away, it would be the log slices because I'm so done with them they were so much of a time I do have too many candelabra I definitely do I have taken a couple of sets from other florists who no longer are florists and they've they've given them to me so I've sort of take I've adopted them as shall we say so I do have a set of silver ones I have a set of copper ones and I have a set of gold ones and I have a set of wrought iron black ones and the wrought iron black ones are the oldest ones and those are the ones if I had to keep one set I would keep those because they're so versatile um, I have actually sold three of the silver ones quite recently I've just realized I need to raise them an invoice and get them over there but um, I have sold some of those because I do realize I appreciate I have got too many and I need to start paring this down just a little bit but the log slices are going into floristry room 101 
The log slices, however, are definitely designated room 101 items and it because they're blipping heavy as well they're a real dog to kind of hoik down the garden through down the side of the house round the front of the house and into the van and i yeah they can in fact i don't i could just burn them i could literally just put them on the barbecue and maybe i should yeah maybe i should yeah that's it that's me welcome to the shed <laughs> the prop shed <laughs> Join Lindsay Kitchen every two weeks for the new English Florist podcast. In between the shows on the Patreon channel to come, extra snippings. But for the next two months, you'll find extra snippings here. The first one next Sunday.